When it ain't your time, it ain't your time. But nothing can stop you once you realize such things don't apply. You don't want to listen to me talk about that? How about Cheryl Lee Ralph? She's up next on No Mercy with Stephen A. First things first, this is about truth telling. I have no agenda. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, the one and only Stephen A. Smith coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check! Wherever you find podcasts, you'll see No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. I love doing these and I love getting into various subjects that y'all well know. That'll never change uh, throughout my life, throughout my career. I've never been one-dimensional. At least I've strived not to be. I'm one of those people who've always believed that when you're one dimensional, you're a prisoner to that because people can easily stop you. If you're a one trick pony, devoid of any versatility whatsoever, especially when you don't have the heart, the guts to step out and pursue the kind of things that you're going after. When we think about the theme of today's podcast, it's real simple. When it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop you. I believe that has my name on it. Can't be taken away from me. I operate from a point of abundance, not scarcity. It's also why I don't have a problem helping people when I can. I'm never worried about somebody taking anything from me. I'm not one of those guys that want to hold people back because, oh, my God. I mean, if you give them, if you big up them and you give them a higher profile, what's going to happen to you? I do first take. Show call first take on ESPN every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, Eastern Standard Time. It's going on 11 years that I've been number one. Ladies and gentlemen, you think people don't want my job? Let me crystallize this for y'all because I tell this story in speeches all the time. So I'm going to share it with uh, my audience right here, right now. If I told you about my job, you should want it too. Especially if you're a sports fan. This ain't a sports podcast, but I'm crystallizing it to give you a story. I'm trying to tell you a story. As the late, great Bernie Mac once said during Kings of Comedy, I'm trying to tell you a story. I ain't finna for no applause. I'm trying to tell you a story. You see, when I go to a game and you see me courtside, it's for free. When I fly to that game, And you see me in first class, it's for free. When you see me at a restaurant on the road, at some steakhouse, or something like that, it's for free. 
see me pulling up in some SUV with tinted windows and I come out with my crew. And I don't mean my boys. I love them, but they ain't with me. It's my personal assistants, my bodyguards, people like that, my manager, stuff like that. It's for free. I ain't paying for all that stuff. And I'm, and I'm at games that's being watched by millions with tens of thousands in attendance, clamoring to get as close as to the action as I get. They paid for their seats. I rolled up in there for free. So knowing that, won't, don't you think everybody would want my job? What's all these people coming on first take for? What's all these people on ESPN for? What's all of these people that Stephen A got here for? Look, I mean, look at these people making noise. Why him? I'm not worried about them. Is it because I don't believe they're ultra talented? Of course not. Is it because I don't believe they could hold down a show like I hold down a show? Absolutely not. It just ain't their time. It's my time. See, I know this about myself. I value this about myself. It matters to me. That inner belief, that's something inside of you that says, yo, Fall the hell back. It ain't your time yet. It's my time. And that's exactly how I feel. See, I know obstacles are part of the process and they've never escaped me. They're always a part of the process. When you're going after something that you want. But I'm one of those who firmly believe that the obstacles are there to teach you lessons. One lesson I've learned. Is again, when it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop you. And guess what? There have been many who have faced obstacles and didn't stop. Let me get, because you know I like to throw a history lesson every now and then in there. Just sprinkle that in there for you. Just for your own edification. See, I worked for Walt Disney during the day. This is my moonlight hours. It's just a lot of moonlight hours that I like. I got a day job. And it's for Walt Disney. Do you know the story of Walt Disney, ladies and gentlemen? Walt Disney himself, that's the name, was told by a former newspaper editor that he, quote, lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Undeterred, he went on to create a cultural icon that bears his damn name. Here's what Disney once said about failure. I think it's important to have a good hard failure when you're young. Because it makes you aware of what can happen to you. Because of it, I've never had any fear in my whole life when we've been near collapse and all of that. I've never been afraid. Now, I can't lie about that. I'll be damned if I'm that dude. Because when I lost my job and I was unemployed and I felt like I was blackballed from the in industry of broadcast television, journalism, I was scared to death. I didn't know if I'd ever have a job again. I was scared as hell. But I remember that story. And it mattered to me. I was in a restaurant in L.A. one time and I met the great, late, great Sidney Poitier. One of the greatest actors in American history. A pioneer for black people. The things he done, he's done, or he did rather, God rest his soul. 
throughout his illustrious career is hard to measure. But when he first auditioned for the American Negro Theater, he flubbed his lines, spoke in a heavy Caribbean accent, which made the director so ticked off, so pissed. He told him to stop wasting his time and go get a job as a dishwasher. Portier ignored that advice, worked on his craft, and eventually became a hugely successful Hollywood star. 1963 Academy Award win for Best Actor for the film Lilies of the Field. Did y'all know that helped break down the color barrier in the American film industry? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Because I had to read that up because I had to remember that. How about Jerry Seinfeld? Seinfeld fame. You didn't know that when he was a young stand-up comic, he froze in his first time on stage and was booed the hell off. He had a choice, pack it up and accept that comedy wasn't in the cards for him or get back up there and do it again. That's exactly what he did. He got back up and he did it again and became one of the world's most successful comedians of all time. That was in spite of the fact that the reviews for the pilot episode of his show about nothing were so bad, NBC decided not to pick it up. A year later, an NBC executive saw the series' potential and ordered just four episodes, reportedly the smallest pickup in the series in television history. When a pilot was repeated, it received a rating of 13.9. You know what that means? That means 13.9% of households were tuned in at any given moment additionally. It also meant 26% of all televisions in use at the time were tuned into his program. The ratings were high enough to secure a second season. 13.9 slash 26. Seinfeld started off making about 20000 per episode according to Celebrity Net Worth, a number which reportedly doubled by seasons three and four, and the show's popularity climbed and climbed and climbed. He got another pay bump for seasons four, five, and six, earning $100,000 an episode. His salary was up to $500,000 an episode for season seven and eight, a figure that was once again doubled by season nine, when Seinfeld was the number one show on primetime. Accordingly, Seinfeld himself became the first actor to score a $1 million an episode deal. When it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop you. That's what I think about. That's what I want y'all to think about. We sit back sometimes and we wonder, when is our time coming? Sometimes it's important to pay attention to the fact that maybe, just maybe, it already has arrived. If you open your eyes and you look beyond the conflict, beyond the barriers, beyond the roadblocks and the impediment standing in front of your face, there specifically to stop your progress. You look beyond. Who knows what you can do? Do you know anything about me in this podcast, ladies and gentlemen? It's not a sports podcast. That's my lane. Been number one for 11 years. That's my lane. So they say. I say something different. My team says something different. My loved one says something different. My mentor says something different. My cheerleaders say something different. My family says something different. The people who know me know better. You're not stopping this train.
here I come. That's why I'm not just doing a podcast that ventures beyond the world of sports. I'll be doing a lot of sports stuff on a podcast. It just won't be limited to it. But that's not why I'm just doing this podcast. I'm also doing this podcast. I'm doing it because I own the content. I'm doing it because I'm in charge of the content. I'm doing it because instead of me working for bosses, I am the boss. I think I'm a pretty nice one personally. I mean, you know, I mean, they'll never admit it, but I mean, you know, my staff shed tears of how nice of a guy I am. You know, I treat people to lunch. You know, I give them inspirational pep talks. You know, I remind them of their own greatness. I propel. And I don't believe in succeeding by myself. I carry folks along the way. Hell, I even got a producer that I'm making go see his girlfriend. He spent too much time away from her. Go, go see her. Get out of here. Go see her now. Because I ain't about to give you the love that she going to give you. You got to go there for her. You got to go to her for that. But he understands what it's all about. It's about striving to be the best. Striving to be number one. And recognizing that when it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop you. I'm not the only one who knows that. I got somebody else coming on who knows that as well. She is something special. She's been around a long time. She's got a career spanning 50 years. Just earned her first Emmy Award. There's a lot to talk to this wonderful woman about and I can't wait her name is Cheryl Lee Ralph she's up next with no mercy right here with Stephen A don't touch that dial this is the moment of a lifetime the clock's ticking like my lifeline until I flatline I push it to the red line who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? My next guest is the epitome of when it's your time, nothing can stop you. <laughs> she is a legend of the Broadway stage and the big and small screens. Her career spans 50 years. And this year, she earned her first Emmy Award for her role as veteran teacher Barbara Howard on the hilarious ABC sitcom Abbott Elementary. I'm excited to talk to her. It has been a while, but she has always, always been wonderful in my eyes. It's been so long since I've had an opportunity to see her and to talk to her, but it is my honor and privilege to speak to the wonderful, the incomparable Cheryl Lee Ralph. Welcome to No Mercy. How are you? <laughs> I am doing very well. Thank you. Have mercy. Oh, my goodness. It's so beautiful to see you. And I can't I can't I can't put into words how happy I was to see you win that Emmy. And I, I want to say, first of all, congratulations is well deserved when they called your name. It, it took you a minute to get up, to just get up. It's like you was just sitting there and just inhaling it all. I want to know what was going through your mind at the time they called your name to announce that you had won an Emmy. Honest to God, I did not expect to win. I did mm. not expect those two people to get up on stage, open the envelope, and call my name. 
you know, I had settled into that space that just being nominated already made me a winner. And if the trophy found its way to my hand, okay, that's great. But I had settled into, if it doesn't, you're already a winner. And when I heard Cheryl Lee Ralph, I, I had to sit there and it was if, as if my whole career was just going across my head. And I was like, oh my God, after all these years, this is the moment. And once in everybody's life, you should have that moment where you walk out there all alone into that light and you know, whoa, this is it. And that was that moment for me and it was good. Now, and, I, and I ask you that question because is the moment like, finally, they see what I believe I've deserved. Finally, they see what I know I've earned a long time ago, but it's just official now. Or was it just that I, 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 I'm so lucky? Was it all of the above? I honestly think it was the second one. It's the fact I've always, I've always known that I, I could do this. It, I have always known that for myself. And it wasn't that I was persevering for the acknowledgement, but to get the acknowledgement was just like the cherry on a big old cake that I had already baked. You know, and I don't like a lot of frosting. So it was just like, hey, here we are. We have arrived and it's your time. It's just your time. It wasn't your time, you know, at Dreamgirls. It wasn't your time at Moesha. It wasn't your time in some of those spaces in between. But if you're talking about acknowledgement, now is your time. This is your time. And all those things that happened to me before, those were some amazing moments. Dreamgirls was an amazing time in my life. Moesha, a spectacular time in my life. Even the down times when I wasn't working that much, just getting it together and having somebody remind me who I was and said, um, are you carrying on or are you stopping here? So I've had some great times and this was just a wonderful acknowledgement. Yeah. You started your speech with the song and the words were very, very poignant. I want you to talk, tell my audience why that song and why you felt in that moment that you needed to sing that to that audience. I have been singing that song for years. I had written a one woman show called Sometimes I Cry and it was part of my activism around HIV and AIDS, right? It was my activism anthem. And I would sing that song and people were always moved by the words. They were moved by whatever, but I always had a great, great response from people just singing that song. And when I got up on that stage, and I was, you know, I was lost in my feelings in the moment. And I had to ground myself. And I said, I had to ground myself in something I absolutely know and I'm absolutely sure of. And I am absolutely sure that 
I am an endangered species, but I sing no victim song. I am a woman. I am an artist, and I know where my voice belongs because that is who I am. And there have been moments when I have used my voice to speak up and out about things. And people have told me I was stupid. They told me to shut up, but I am a woman. I'm an artist and I know where my voice belongs. And after all these years, I was right. Explain to folks what you mean when you say you're an endangered species. Who are you talking to and who are you talking about specifically? As it pertained to my one woman show, I started singing this. This was a show that was all around the the unspoken truths of how women of color, black women, women of certain ages, how they were suffering around HIV and AIDS, how nobody was paying attention to their story. And, you know, I had done so much talking about, you know, trying to let people know about HIV, to let them know how black folks had died in huge numbers because of the virus itself and what it was that we could do to save ourselves. Because at that time we were dying in numbers uh, very similar to how we died during at the height of the pandemic. And I, I just wanted to bring attention that as a woman, you know, now, you know, you think you have these rights and then these rights get taken away from you. And, you know, people don't understand things like abortion rights. It's not just about abortion. It's about health and the well-being sometimes of women. Things happen in the whole birth and birthing process and delivery process. And sometimes you need help in order to survive. And I wanted to, you know, raise my voice and put it where I felt it belonged. And women, women still need help. You know, we we can talk about what's going on in Iran right now. My God, we could talk about what's going on right next door to Ethiopia right now and how women and children are suffering. And those of us who bring life cannot be just killed off like it doesn't matter. So that's part of what was going on in my head, you know, with that song at that moment. You know, you touch on that and I think about because I've had women like Ariva Martin and uh, Tanya Lewis Lee is going to come on the show. Tammy yes. Hall is going to come on the show. I got it. You know, it's, it's, listen, I was raised by you know me well. You know, we spoke years ago and you know me well enough. No, I was raised by five women. I, 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 I know where I know whatever whatever speck of brilliance I may have. I know where it comes from. So but trust you me. But but I'll but I tell you this. I tell you this. And, 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 and I've often taken this position. You could feel what you want about Roe v. Wade or what have you since it's been overturned. I have a problem with men thinking they should be able to tell a woman that part. what to do with her body. And, and to me, it's that simple. Regardless of, to, to me, it's a subject that men should just step the hell away from and acknowledge, excuse me, you're, you're almost pro-choice by, you know, by fault because it's like, I'm a man, I'm not a woman. Who am I to tell her what to do with her body? It's that simple to somebody like me. 
Do you believe it should be that simple to everyone? I wish it were that simple to everybody. But people, oh, it seems like we just want to find these bandwagons to, to get on and say, I'm going to fight for this. You know, we see what's going on with gun violence around America, but we're going to fight for our rights to bear arms. We see what is going on when there are seeds of hate and racism and how they can infect, you know, other organizations like the enforcement of policing in America. But we're going to fight on to make it right. Instead of thinking about what is it that each one of us can do ourselves to make it better? It would be wonderful if the men in the world decided, if I plant the seed that turns into a child, I will take care of that child. I will show up for that child. I will pay what is necessary. That I can afford for that child to have a great experience in life. I wish more men would decide not to abandon families by just not showing up. I had a conversation with a young man the other day and I looked at him and he was sad, but he was sad in a in this almost angry way. And I said, what's wrong? And he just looked at me and he said, my dad died. And I said, I'm sorry. And he said, Miss Ralph, I don't know why, because he was never there. And I looked at this young man, and first of all, he's got brilliance about him. You know, he's a great writer, and he's, he's handsome, he's smart. And I said, but look at you. Look at what that bad dad created. Please don't concentrate so much on his not being there for you, his not be, being supportive of you, because... If he had done anything different, maybe you would have been different. And I know I know it was hard for him to take that moment, but he looked at me and he smiled. He said, I have never thought about that because I have been so mad that he wasn't there. Yeah. And I said, just think about you. Mm. You know, I just wish sometimes men would just change what they do, but that's okay. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you this on a personal level. I applaud your consistency because you may not remember this, but... Over a decade ago, when you and I talked to one another, you gave me the same message because <gasps> I was talking to you about my father. <gasps> and I had very, very similar feelings about my father. And when my father passed away in 2018, <gasps> I remembered what you said. Oh Before God. I spoke to Pastor A.R. Bernard at the Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn. And even though I felt the way that I felt and I knew those feelings were justified and I articulated those feelings to some degree, I was still able to end the eulogy by saying, but he was my dad and I love him and I always will. And part of it was because you and I had that discussion years ago when we talked about it. So I just wanted you to know that. Oh I just wanted God. you to know that. Yeah. Whoa, you just blew my mind. I'm like that <laughs> yeah. emoji where the head is just like boom. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, sometimes Stephen, we cannot fight who we are. And when I hear stories like that about things that I've said to people and I'm like, this is who I am. I want us to survive. 
and I want us to thrive. And when I stood up there and I said, this is what believing looks like, I meant it when I said, don't you ever give up on you. Don't you ever stop trying to celebrate the good in you because that's what really matters. Everybody's always looking outside of themselves for, for, for happiness, for joy, for their dreams come true. You are your happiness. You are your joy. You are your dream come true. And when you can accept you just the way you are, my God, there's nothing you cannot do. But we just get so used to carrying around all this luggage and all this weight of, uh, I, I don't need this, I don't need that, I will find it there, it's over there. Why do they have it? Why don't I have it? <laughs> Put that doggone heavy piece of luggage down and look in the mirror and love what you see. Because that's the whole answer right there. Mm-hmm. The whole what you answer. Loving you, loving you enough and loving what you see and having enough faith in you that no matter what maladies or what negative experiences you may have endured, you're still alive, you're still breathing. That means you still have an opportunity to overcome whatever was in your past. And that's Thank really, you. really what it's all about. Thank that's you. really what it was all about. I did on my Twitter the other day, I said, the past is gone, it's in the past. The future has not arrived yet, but the present is right here. And that is the gift. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Let me transition to, to Abbott Elementary because I'm looking at your career and I'm thinking about film credits like Sister Act 2, The Flintstones, The Mighty Quinn, which was, a, I love that line of the guy, just, never mind my personal business. I, love, I always <laughs> laugh about that, right? You got Eddie Murphy's Distinguished Gentleman. You know, I mean, uh, of course, with, with Danny Glover, The Sleep With Anger, mm-hmm. won you an Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. I'm thinking about all of those things. And of course, Moesha, Abbott Elementary, why? Mm-hmm. What, what was it about that that moved you? Oof, I, I knew Mrs. Howard. I knew mm. Mrs. Howard. I knew that teacher. I've been related to that teacher. I have been taught by that teacher. I've received letters from that teacher. I knew that woman. And I was so thrilled that this young artist, writer, creator, Quinta Brunson was going to bring these stories to life. And I I have to tell you though, Stephen, when I first read it, I thought, oh my God, I would love to play the principal because I I could see this developing in in a certain way, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, it would be great to play something that was different than what people would expect from me. And Quinta was just like, oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. We need a queen for this role. And you are that queen. End of story. And I was like, okay, okay, there you have it. But I knew from reading this script, it was a very special script. And I I was talking to a friend yesterday and he said, do you remember when you called me and you said, this is going to be it? This is going to be big? And I was like, yes, once again, validation. I said it. I did it. 
And here it is, we are in a big old raging hit, not just in these United States, but it's the world. You know, streaming has changed everything. You know, people, it airs here on Wednesday night. By Thursday, half the world is watching it because they're streaming right. it somewhere around the world. And I mean, we get letters from people, you know, emails, social media letters and mm -hmm. notes from people everywhere and now in different languages loving the show. I had the pleasure. I was at Craig's restaurant in L.A. years ago, years mm -hmm. ago. And it was before the great Sidney Poitier passed away. Uh, he was sitting there with Ray Liotta, uh, who's now deceased yeah. as well. Um, Lady Gaga was at the table um, and a couple of other folks. And Sidney Poitier came up to me. I mean, it's it's Sidney. I I I don't I don't fawn easily, okay? But I looked at this, but I was like that, that that's Sidney Poitier, you know, and he said hello and he was such a gentleman. And obviously he was a significant person in your life. He was yeah. a mentor, gave you your first film role in the now mm -hmm. classic piece of the action at age 19. I bring him up because no matter how diverse he was, how exceptional he was there's a level of deference that always got accorded to him by anybody with sense as far as I'm concerned, because he was so phenomenal and he was serious about his craft, but he was serious about life. Yeah, I view you in similar fashion. You're serious about your craft. You're serious about life. You're married to a politician. Yes. Okay. All right, Vincent Hughes, who I've known for years. I haven't seen him in a while. Once again, tell my brother, I said, hey. I will. I, I ask you this question. When you look at the world today, yes, what kind of impact has your husband had on you? Wow. What kind of impact have you had on him as you two view the world mm. that we're witnessing and that we've been witnessing over the last few years? It is so amazing that God would put Vincent and I together, because we're in so many ways, we're an unusual cu couple, you know, um, there was, it was so interesting when we first started going out together, you know, people were like, what? You know, I remember somebody <laughs> saying, but he's a preacher. I said, he's not a preacher. He's a politician. You know, <laughs> oh, it was, it was just right, crazy. Right, right. And when we got married, even some of some people I knew closely were like, well, how long is that going to last? And right. here it is. We've been together 20 years now, strong, happy, doing our thing. And why is it that at this point in our lives, he has been working so hard to make sure that the education of all children throughout Pennsylvania, but especially in his city, Philadelphia, his district, West Philadelphia, that we could find some equity in the education of the children. And here I am now on this show, Abbott Elementary, that brings to light the major inequities and what is going on across this country with teachers, their students, the administration, the, the running of underfunded schools in America. So we have this convergence here. And for the, this year, for the first time, there has been a major influx of dollars in education in Philadelphia. 
And I am so thankful that in our in our own ways that we've been able to be a part of making that happen. But that's only God. That is just God. And the fact that Vincent Hughes cares about his constituency, cares about the city, cares about the people that elected him. And I, I'm so thankful that he and I have a commuter marriage because the way he works for his city, if we were living together 24-7, I don't think we would make it. No, no, no couple could make that. You know, Why? It's I mean, if you could investment. commute, it, but if you could commute, if you could commute to be with one another, why couldn't you be in the same place and not work and, and, and not have the relationship work considering the level of dedication that you know he has combined with his love and devotion to you and vice versa? Okay, because every day he is at the Capitol, so he is not home. Mm. So he wouldn't be there. So and, uh, you'd be upset that he's not there. Exactly. And oh when he's not in his work mode, he comes home and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he goes to community work mode. So he works, I say, eight days a week. Mm. And sometimes it's hard to and a lot of you know a lot of folks to, a lot of spouses don't do this to do that kind of community work with them right because when i'm there i have to do the community work with him i could right. not be there and let him stand alone right so it could be hard to work my job the way i work then work his job too so this is pennsylvania and la is that what you're telling me? This, this is that Pennsylvania LA trip? This is that Pennsylvania LA trip, and somebody's got to do it, and he's not able to do it as much as I used to be able to do it because he has to be in his constituency. Mm. So now, this is the question that I have because you're obviously a highly educated woman, highly accomplished. And he is a politician yeah. and he's in the throes of action all the time. Yeah. So who's teaching who about what the world needs to look like and, and what needs to happen and, and what problems truly, truly exist? Is that a true partnership or is the lady of the home saying, excuse me, hubby, I love you dearly, but I need you to be on this case right now because there is a problem here. Or he, is he saying, Honey, I need your support because I got something over here and this is where the big problem lies. I mean, how does that work? Uh, just like you just said, it's a balance. And in any relationship, you have to know and be able to open up your mind to listen to what your partner is saying to you. Because sometimes what your partner needs is you, just you, and only you. Not you and your phone, not you and your earbuds, not you and your social media, not you and anything else you think you need to do for anybody else. And this is on both sides. You mm. gotta listen to your partner. Mm. Shirley Ralph, where are you right now in your life, if somebody said to you, compared to where you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, where are you now? How would you describe your space, your spirit? Oh my gosh, I have to tell you, I wake up every day, whether it was 10 years ago or five years ago, in my joy. 
I wake up in my happiness because that is my choice. I have worked on this ever since I realized that there were goals to attain and places to go. I have always been aware that I have to be good to me because the only thing that people are sure and guaranteed to give you is a hard time. But if you can be solid and good to yourself, there is nothing that you can't do. I sometimes look at people that I know are having difficulties and, and if I have to interact with them, I have to bless myself up, bless them too, so that I can move forward with them, knowing that there is a reason, a season, and a time for everything. So I've been in a good place for a very long time. I have yeah. suffered, but I'm still in a good place. I have not had some dreams come true, but I am still in a good place. There's a saying, it says, whatever, wherever, however God blesses me, I'm going to receive it, wow. knowing in my mind, my best days are ahead of me. I know people think my, my days right here are real good. You ain't seen nothing yet because my best days are still ahead of me. And how did you pull that off? Some people go to therapy trying to find that. Some people go to a quiet place and they're in an abyss for a while before they say to hell with this. I'm tired of giving up. I'm going to get up and fight. How did you get to that place where your mind, your spirit is aligned in that regard and you're able to propel yourself to that level? You know what? I had really, really good parents. And, you know, my uh, yesterday it marks four years of losing my mother and it, you know, and you, whenever you lose a parent, it's like a huge void, especially yes. if you loved them and they were there yes. and good for you. It's like, oh, I miss them. And it's mm -hmm. like you want to pick up the phone and talk to them and they're not there. I was on that stage and I was like picturing my mother and father at one of those tables, just standing up and cheering and being there for me. But uh, anyway, I really my parents were so good at telling me what I needed to look out for. My father said to me, oh, you're an easy one to dislike. And I said, daddy, what the hell does that mean? He said, look at you. You're smart. You're easy on the eye. You love life. He said, those three things alone will make people crazy. They will be unhappy just being around you because they won't feel smart. They won't feel like they're easy on the lie, on the eye, and most of them are not enjoying life. So they're gonna look at you and dislike you. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. He said, but you will have to learn patience. Patience, cause you're smart. And my dad was absolutely right. Absolutely patience is what it's all about. Patience is, all, is what it's all about. Be willing to wait. That's Be right. willing to understand that, that the greatest doesn't come tomorrow. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but it's on the way. Absolutely. And sometimes you are the stone that the builder refuses. Sometimes you're the player that the, that the coach refuses to put out on the field. 
But that does not mean that you don't keep practicing, that you don't get prepared, because one day you're going to be up to bat. You're going to be out on the field. One day the house must be built and there's only one stone that can hold it up. And that's you. Mm -hmm. Mm. But you got to know and be ready. Know and be ready. There's another saying, you know, there were those girls that had, I think they got a message and it was the message was put oil in your lamp. One girl, she had a party to go to. The other girl, she went shopping. The third girl went to the store and got oil and put it in her lamp. When the power was gone, everybody was upset, running crazy. And the girl who went and got the oil lit her lamp and her light was shining and everybody came over saying, give me some oil, give me some oil. And she said, but I only have oil for this lamp. You got the same message that I got. We gotta be prepared. And then it was that whole thought of, is she gonna dim her light just so other people could feel better? I continually think of that. She probably said, come on, sit with me and share the light. That's come what she probably on now. Did. That's what she probably did. That's what she probably did. Last question for you. Abbott Elementary. Yes. That's what you're doing. Yes. Where do you go from here? What's next for you? Oh, More of that? And then some? <laughs> what is it? What is it? You know something? Right now, I am going to lean into the magic and the chem magical chemistry of Quinta Brunson, because Quinta, as a young woman, has written an intergenerational show that is that has obviously been needed for quite some time. That's why this show continues to break all records. That's why our audience just continues to grow exponentially. There is no rhyme or reason. It's not just black folks. It's not just teachers. It's not just some folks. It is everybody loving the show. So if God's going to bless me with five great years on Abbott Elementary, that's where I'll be. In fact, I'll take 10 great years on Abbott Elementary it, maybe I might have to retire and come back as the school secretary or superintendent, <laughs> but I'm going to stick with Abbott Elementary and praise God and thank him and her, the goddess, in advance for the Oscar-worthy movie that must be coming. Yes, that part, because a great movie must be coming. Mm -hmm. I got you. Shirley Ralph, love you. It's so good to see you. It's been so long. Thank yes. you so much for giving me your time. I really, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime in the near future. We got to get together. I would love that. Good That's food right. somewhere, no cameras, just friends, just being. You know it. Consider it done. Mm -hmm. Dinner on me. All Dinner right. on me. <laughs> Tell Vince, you got to travel. You got, you got to fly out there. There you, you go. There you there. go. I'll bring my date. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. All right. We we'll talk Ma, to you. God bless. Bye bye. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh -huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Charlie Robson, special man. And I've known 
her husband, State Senator Vincent Hughes from Pennsylvania for many, many years when I was working for years in the Philadelphia Inquirer. When it's your time, it's your time, just like she said. Inspiring black women everywhere, fighting the good fight, an HIV slash AIDS activist. So many forgotten black women were suffering and she worked tirelessly throughout the years to bring attention to it. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, she didn't have to do that. She's got a career. She's made a few fun, a few, a few funds. She's living her best life, but it wasn't enough. Because if you ain't working to make a difference, what good are you? When she talks about the potential of the kind of things that can stop her, that's basically what she was alluding to. Your spirit's got to be in the right place. Your soul's got to be in the right place. You got to be about something more, something greater than yourself sometimes in order to see that nobody can stop you because there's a greater good that's being served. It ain't just about you. It's about something more. And when she talked about not being stopped, I heard her loud and clear. What an incredible, incredible inspiration. And I hope there's so many young ladies out there, especially two young ladies that are my daughters. I hope they hear that message loud and clear because they need to know. You know, Chris Rock once joked around talking about, you know, what I, mean, I ain't going to repeat what he said. Because it ain't appropriate for this discussion. Just want you what you want to preserve and save your daughters from. I'll leave it at that. You're a black man. If you're a man, period, and you're raising daughters, if they grow up to be like Cheryl Lee Ralph, that ain't a bad thing. I can tell you that. And as I reflect on her story, it's touching. I have to admit that. Because you need it. Nothing can stop you. That's what they tell you. When it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll go back to me. Forgive me for edifying my audience with my story, but damn it, it's my podcast. I can do that. When I got let go, it's because it wasn't my time. When I wasn't on first take, it's because it wasn't my time. I had published, had 250 published clips as a portfolio before I graduated from college. I did internships at the Winston-Salem Journal, the Greensboro News and Record, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution before I got a job. My first job was as an editorial assistant at the Greensboro News and Record in their High Point, North Carolina Bureau. That means I was in a city that was popular for selling furniture. I'm from the streets of New York City. How do you think I felt about that? Their main thoroughfare was this road about five miles long called Main Street down High Point, North Carolina, to Archdale. And the only thing you could say about it is that a bunch of nice restaurants, the Fridays and the Chili's of the world and things like that. And furniture stores. Going to Archdale, North Carolina, living off a of tuna fish and Kool-Aid, making $15,100 a year. Before I went to New York and got a job as a high school reporter. Before I went to the Philadelphia Inquirer 14 months later and got the job of a college reporter covering St. Joe's University. 
Before two weeks on the job, I was promoted to covering the Temple Beat led by John Cheney of Temple University. Because I had already shown in two weeks what I could do. Before becoming a backup NBA writer and then an NBA writer. Before becoming a general sports columnist in 2003. And in the midst of all of that, being on television for CNNSI and then Fox Sports Net and then ESPN. How many times along the way you think there weren't people trying to stop me? Telling me it ain't my time. You got to wait. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to believe it. Quite frankly, behind their back, I was like, they kissed my ass. But I still had to wait. I still had to exercise patience. Because stuff that's worth having usually doesn't come easy. And sometimes the road to prosperity is what makes the achievement so much more sweeter than the achievement itself. When Cheryl Lee Ralph and it was announced that she won that Emmy. Go back and watch the footage. She just sat there. She paused. And what did she tell you? She couldn't believe it. Because she had toiled through the terrain for so many years. It just got to a point where being nominated was good enough. Haven't we all been there? Haven't we all reached a point in place? Look, man, they pay me the money. We good. I recently saw an episode with Bill Maher, whose podcast I did. He hasn't dropped it yet, but I just recently did his podcast. I don't think it dropped yet. Bill Maher has been nominated for an award over 40 times. Hasn't won once. He doesn't give a damn. And I applaud him for that. Because when you tell the truth... No matter how popular the ratings may be and no, pop, no matter how popular you might be in the streets, when it comes to those folks who define and classify who the reward recipients will be, you're not necessarily popular with them. And when that happens, you know that your greatness, if you so choose to accept it, will be defined by people who really, really don't matter when all is said and done. Just because they're the ones who determine what award you get doesn't mean they're going to determine what money you get paid, what audience follows you, how much you resonate with that audience, and what kind of influence you have in terms of the differences you make in people's lives. They don't get to police that. But how much you want to make a bet that if Bill Maher woke up one day and he was suddenly given an Emmy Award or whatever award, it would touch him. Because it would be validation for all the work that he put in and the intent behind it. But in order to do that, you got to marry yourself to patience. And you got to marry yourself to the work and to the bigger, bigger goal of making a profound difference wherever you can. Cheryl Lee Ralph has done that for decades. And that's why this award she received is so much sweeter. 
not just for her, but people like me and others that she inspires so much. Because she reminds us that we've done great things and we could easily be satisfied with that. But it might be better not to. Not just because the satisfaction always comes from the road travel and the trials and tribulations overcome. But because somewhere at the end of the line, folks might just decide to recognize that you should have been recognized all along. And there's no better, better feeling than that. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we got to remember. That's it for this podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Thank you so much for your time. You know, I'm coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So please don't miss No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Thanks again to the wonderful Cheryl Lee Ralph for blessing me with her presence and allowing me to interview her for this podcast. She's just a special woman. And I thank her every day and I will continue to thank her every day, not just for the words of wisdom she's bestowed upon me years ago, years before my father died, when she told that compelling story about a kid's life she influenced by talking to him about the bitterness that he felt towards his parents or his father specifically. I remember that story as clear as yesterday. That's how inspiring Shirley Ralph can be. By the way, speaking of inspiring stories. Download Cheryl Lee Ralph's memoir, Redefining Diva 2.0, Life Lessons from the Original Dream Girl, available on Audible. My thanks again to the wonderful Cheryl Lee Ralph. I'll always be rooting for you, always and forever. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. Until next time. Peace and love right here on No Mercy with Stephen A. Holla at you next time. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss